Long Beach Sermons, visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. All right, I'm one of the co-pastors here at City Church of Long Beach, and we are super glad you're here. Uh, we are a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. And uh, on this particularly hot day, we welcome all who are here and those who are, we still have folks who are in our patio. Hello, patio section. Good to see you guys. Yeah, there you go. Um, hey, Brenna, you can actually push out that one door and then they can even see more. Um, yeah, there you go. Thanks so much. I forgot to do that earlier. Um, and we have folks on Zoom. Hey, Zoom. Hello, Zoom. Everybody wave because Zoom is looking at you. So there you go. Yep. Good to see you guys. We're glad you are here as well. Um, just a couple of housekeeping things for here at Lafayette. So there are, there's a restroom in the back there. There's also one up through these steps right here, if you would like to use that. Um, and uh, today, our kids' ministry, uh, the, the, their playground time is actually going to be in our uh, lovely cafeteria where there's air conditioning so they don't pass out. Uh, which we think is good. We, we like kids, and we don't want them to perish. So uh, what that means is, um, that means we'll be doing church in the old style, which is, um, you know, think back to the time of Jesus. Like, there were a lot of kids around. Like, they didn't have, like, they didn't, like, put them in a separate room. They were just there. And so we'll be hearing the kids in the cafeteria in here, right? And that's going to be lovely, right? Because we like kids. So just a reminder of that. So, um, and we're going to pray for the kids now. I think Charmaine, are you going to pray for the kids? Great. Charmaine, someone's going to pray for the kids as they get ready to head out. You can use this guy. There it is. All right. Yeah, if you want to pray for the kiddos, that'd be great. Okay, let's pray. Um, dear God, thank you for our kids. As they go to Kidsman, may they... Uh... Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, kiddos, you guys can go with Charmaine. Thanks for the kids. We like kids. So, and if you would welcome Brenna Rubio, the other fearless co-pastor. All right, and I have to, like, move this mic first thing because oh, yeah, yeah. it just confuses me endlessly. Where am I talking? Up here. I don't know. So, all right, so that'll not tempt me to try to talk into two microphones at once. Um, hey, it's so good to be with everyone. And, um, man, friends on Zoom, I hope you're staying cool. Friends in here, I was just thinking, you know, there are all the verses, right, where, like, Jesus is like, hey, if you're thirsty, come to me. Like, I just want to, like, you know, I'll give you all the cool fresh water you want. And I'm like, if you want a C, come to us, right? Like, man, this morning it just... It feels good to have some air conditioning. Um, it's, it's, I always get so excited when we start a new series. I've, I guess I just like new things. I like change a little bit. And so part of rolling into a new season here at City Church is that we actually get to start a new series. We're going to focus in on, this time, a new book of the Bible, one that in my memory, which doesn't go back all the way to the beginning of City Church, but, you know, goes back a good seven-ish years at this point. Um, I don't think we've ever talked about it at City Church. We're going to read the book of Jonah. I mean, there's so many different options in the Bible, books that we could pick from, and we're just like, man, what would be a really great story 
So I'm just curious, um, friends on Zoom, maybe you can put up your hands too, and Joe, feel free to shout out an answer, like kind of sum up what you see. But how many people here feel like they know the book of Jonah? They have some exposure to the story of Jonah in the Bible. I'm just curious, hands. All right, all right, I'm thinking, I'm thinking it was maybe a little over half here. Joe, are you seeing anything happening on Zoom? Yeah. About half? Okay, perfect. So what I wanna tell you is, it's totally fine. Like those of you who feel like, man, I don't know the story of Jonah. Am I coming in like different than everybody else? No, because the people who know the story of Jonah, most of them don't. <laughs> so if you think you know the story of Jonah, you really probably don't. Because the story that we get about Jonah as children is this, it's kind of a fairy tale story. And it's like the cutified version. That would be good for kids because kids like, kids like fart jokes, right? And kids like, you know, like vomit and stuff like that that makes them go, ew. Um, and so that's the story that we give kids. We give kids a story of like this prophet who makes a mistake and he runs away and he gets swallowed by a whale. It's not really a whale. Um, but then he gets vomited up, you know, big burp. I mean, how, how much better can you get as like a story for kids, right? And then he realizes and he goes and does the right thing. Yay, a hero at the end. No. That is not the story. And so we're all actually gonna get to take a fresh look at this story and find out that it is actually a really big, rich, complicated story. Jonah is much more of an anti-hero than a hero. And really, I think about a majority of biblical scholars would say, if you're gonna put the story of Jonah in a genre, it would be the genre of satire. Making a big serious point in a really ridiculous way. Like for instance, a story about somebody getting swallowed by a whale, a big fish. It's a satire. And as someone who, you know, part of how I have coped <laughs> with the craziness of the last few years has definitely been about leaning into satire. You know, I feel like late night talk shows have been like my therapy in a lot of ways, right? Because they just managed to make the horrors of everything funny. Um, I'm all about some satire. I think that could be good for us these days. But more than that, I just, I just like that we're doing story. You know, there are so many books in the Bible that are letters or instructions. There, there are plenty of those, and, and there's lots that we can get from them, especially when we remember the story behind the letter that's being written, the story behind the set of instructions. But with something like this, we're just made for story, right? As a people, this is actually how we're made to learn, how we're made to be transformed. We just connect with story. They resonate with us, they teach us so much more than a dry set of facts or rules could ever do. And so diving into the book of Jonah is gonna be all about diving into not really even just this one person's story, this anti-hero Jonah, but it's really a whole people's story, a whole culture story. And it's, it's God's story. It's part of the bigger story that we actually situate our own individual experiences in. So today, we're actually not gonna look directly at Jonah, despite all that big buildup. I just wanna get you excited about Jonah. <laughs> this is the pre-Jonah. Bait, bait and switch? Yeah, it's a little bait and switch, maybe. But it's the pre-Jonah discussion, conversation, because we wanna say, hey, story matters. Your story matters. And so even as we, we dive into this 
often very trivialized but really quite rich story of Jonah is not just to learn that person's story, but it's to find your own in this great big story of God. So all that said, our friend Raylene Pacheco is going to come and read our passage for us this morning. Would you welcome Raylene? Yay! And here at City Church, we love to stand for the reading of God's word, just as a way of showing honor. Um, you got it? Okay, Bill's getting the mic. And Zoom friends, you decide if you'd like to stand or not. Thank you, Raylene. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from the east and the west, from the north and the south. Psalm 107, 1 to 3. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Thank Thanks, you, Raylene. So this is, a, this is a prayer in the middle book of the Bible called the book of Psalms. And it's a, it's a prayer about listening to stories. And in this psalm, there, there are like four main stories that it tells. We're not going to get those today, but we'll get those in the devotions this week if you read along with City Church devotions. Um, but, but as we think about these, this, this psalm, this prayer about listening to our stories, we're going to look at these three verses, and we're going to kind of look at them in reverse order here, just to try to like focus in on like, okay, well, how do we understand story? It's kind of leading into Jonah, but it's leading into our stories. How do we understand our own stories and where they fit into the big story? So at the, at the beginning, or well, the, where we're going to begin today is verse 3. It says this, that they gathered from east and west, from north and south. All right, And, and they're going to gather and they're going to tell their stories. But, but this is who is gathering, people from all over. East and west, north and south, they gather. It's a picture of the beloved community in all of its diversity coming together. And it's a reminder that there's so many different stories to be told and to be heard. Right, if you're from the north, then you have a different story than if you're from the west, right, or from the south, or from the east. And, and out of the four stories, there's one set in, the, in this psalm, in Psalm 107, there's one set in the desert lands, and there's another set on the high seas of the ocean. And so you get the sense that the people of Israel are, are they're telling diverse stories. The, the deserts were, were in the east of Israel. The great ocean was in the west of Israel, the Mediterranean Sea. And they come, as they come to gather together and tell these stories, there's, there's so much to be said because it's so different to live in a desert versus to, to live by the sea, right? And we have so many different cultural backgrounds that we bring back to the gathering. Right? Let them gather together from the north and the west, the east and the south. We bring our cultural backgrounds with us. And the people of Israel at, at the time that we don't know exactly when this is written, but it's written probably at least 400 years before the time of Christ, could be up to 1,000 years. The people of Israel were not just sort of one monolithic cultural you know, group. 
they lived in various places. They had been spread out. Some had been taken into exile into Babylon, and some had become merchants on the seas, and some were up here, and some had been down to Egypt, right? And they, and they brought with them the cultures of those places, and sometimes the languages of those places. And this is us today, right? There's so much diversity, like just in this room and on our Zoom and on our patio, uh, there, there's so much diversity just here. Like how many of us could, could name uh, an ancestor who immigrated from a different country? Or perhaps that's ourselves. And brought with us some of those stories. And yet now we're in this story, in this place, in this country. You think about all the, uh, I mean, think of the, the neurodiversity that is here. How we think and our, our operating systems are different from one another. Think of our gender and sexual orientation diversity. There's so much here. That's what the, the psalm is trying to say. It's, it's all there. It's all there. And it, it forecasts to a time in the future, in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, it has this picture. There's this picture of heaven. And in heaven it says... The, the guy who's writing this down, he's like having these like psychedelic daydreams, and he, <laughs> basically. And he says this in Revelation 7, verse 9. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, the Lamb being a picture of Christ. And so here they are. Everyone's gathered together, and yet even in heaven you can still tell that there's diversity, right? They, they don't all get whitewashed into one monolithic culture or language, right? Or, or nation or race or tribe. They're still diverse in heaven. Like that's a value to God. And so the stories we get to tell out of all of our diversity or a gift to God as well. There's a, there's a woman who's done a little bit of coaching for us. Um, her name is Jackie Lewis. She's a pastor back east. And she writes about the kinds of leaders and the kinds of people that live in what she calls a mestizo, uh, or a mixed race or mixed culture group. And so she's, she's talking about places like City Church. And she talks about how border leaders help author a new group story in their congregations. As they weave together congregant stories with stories from sacred texts and call forth a new vision, a new story. And this emerging new story, it disrupts, it revises and transforms the story of separateness and homogeneity. You know, like we're all one. In this mestizo place, we we actually disrupt the idea that, oh, it's easy just to categorize us in all one way. Mm. And that's part of God's gift. It's part of what heaven looks like, and it's part of this prayer that we're reading today about God's stories. Mm. Yeah, and we, we actually want to do a little bit of 
a, a practical exercise this morning. Don't get scared. Actually, as we were thinking about this morning, it's okay. So Bill's going to give some instruction in just a second, but I want to let you know ahead of time that I was feeling a little bit for my fellow introverts. And so as we thought about this little time, I was like, let's give people a break from like all the small group stuff. And we're going to do a little bit more of an introvert type of exercise this morning. Right. Plus we have plenty of time with snow cones and stuff at the end of service. Right. There are snow cones. Right? Yes. Yes. There's yes. no cones. Yes. Something like make it through the sermon. There's no cones. <laughs> Just make it through. Yeah. Okay. You're giving some um, instructions. We've got some uh, some three by five cards and some pens that we're going to hand out. So just to different people. So just grab a three by five card. There's going to be a chance for you just to reflect on your own story. And if you're on Zoom, if you want to get something to take notes with, you can also do this if you want to do it on your phone. That's totally fine. Yeah. Um, the yeah. idea is we're going to have a few moments here, a couple of different times to take a breath, not have the crazy extroverted pastor talk at you too much, <laughs> and like think and reflect. Yeah, you know, as Bill was sharing that last quote, I mean, I just think it sounds amazing. You know, and, and to talk about, hey, this is what border leaders do. It's like, ooh, I mean, I think theoretically, that's what Bill and I are supposed to be, right? Like in a diverse community, right? Oh, we should be the border leaders, helping our community come together and write a new story. And, and well, actually, I mean, we talk about this all the time, but you know, City Church has a lot of leaders. I mean, as a small church, it's like ways that you guys just, you jump in, right? You, you pitch in and you, you find that actually there, there are all sorts of ways that you start getting to shape this community. We're all sort of border leaders. And so it's this amazing picture of we can write a new story one that's much more complicated, disruptive, brings us all together instead of splitting us apart. And then my kind of realistic self kind of pops in and says, ooh, and that's complicated, right? That's actually complicated. That's a hard thing to do. It's not th something that we're just naturally good at because the reality of the situation is that there is always this temptation in any group setting, for the people with the loudest voice, <laughs> with the most power, to dictate the story, right? To, to be the one who kind of says, like, this is the way it is. My story is everyone's story. My story is the defining story. Now, as we think about this, as we start kind of leaning in, thinking about the complications of power, for us coming together and actually discovering our story as this community centered around Jesus. I think it's always helpful to remember that we're all a mix. That really, some, even some of us who would say the most like, man, I, I have been pushed down and out in so many ways. I've experienced so much oppression, so much vulnerability in my life. Even those who would say, that's my story might have an area or two, maybe in relationship with children, um, maybe in relationship with just one or two coworkers, right? Where you say, in this area, I experience myself as powerful. In this particular dynamic, this is one of my areas of power. Um, I'm, you know, all these different things, but in my, you know, significant relationship, I'm the one who has sort of more more power and authority. It tilts towards me in that relationship. And, and even those of us who would say, in so many ways, I point towards Bill, in so many ways, 
I live at the center of power in our wider culture. And yet, there'll be a few ways to say like, and actually these are the areas of vulnerability in my life. These are the ways that I have experienced wounding. And, and we actually need to be aware of those as well, that there's a sense of, not that it's just an either or, kind of have power, do not have power, but trying to figure out what are the layers and which ones are operating in any given interaction. I always say like for myself, like I'm a, I'm a white woman, right? And so my whiteness is definitely one of those things where I have to like acknowledge my privilege. And in many situations in my life, my gender puts me in a situation where I'm actually fighting back against some oppression. So, so many of us have those, those operating layers. Um, all that said, in the areas where we experience oppression, vulnerability, I think for many of us, there's an awareness that there are people with loud voices, people with more power, who feel like they're the ones setting the narrative. And how do we tell our stories in that situation? How do we, how do we lay claim to all of who we really are? How do we remember? Caitlin Curtis, who's a writer, uh, a faith writer, who really dives into some really complicated conversations around um, faith, identity, heritage, uh, as someone who identifies as indigenous. Um, she really wrestles with a lot of these things. And, and there's a, a passage I want to read this morning where she's really thinking particularly around um, ways that whiteness has set the narrative for the indigenous community. When I see the way the church glosses over the stories of indigenous people, I'm struck by how much weight intergenerational trauma can carry and how if we're not careful, as indigenous peoples, we begin to embody these lies for ourselves. I feel deep within my bones what it means to be one who is removed, one who is assimilated, one whose people remain invisible. There's the sense of stories actually begin to colonize us and colonize our imaginations. Often the phrase that we might use is, is internalizations, ways that bias is internalized even when it's, it's anti-us, anti an aspect of who we are. So I know that there are, are folks in this congregation who have experienced internalized homophobia, right? That there's this sense of, I want to claim everything of who I am and how God loves me, and yet I've experienced such deep phobia and pushback towards my identity as, as God's beloved and queer, that there's this internalized homophobia internalized racism, all these different ways that we take the narrative um, and, and it just seeps into us because it's loud. How do we push back? And it's that I think that this passage is fighting against. It's saying, yes, yeah, so tell your story. Yell back. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Your story matters too. This is actually one of the ways is that we resist those loud narratives and say, no, it matters. You know, <sighs> there, there have just been all of these times, right, where I have found like I'm in, I'm in situations and uh, maybe with people who are louder than I am, a little more comfortable interrupting than I am. Um, and I might find myself starting to feel resentment. 
and legitimately right like they're not being great conversational partners as they do that and yet there's this part too where i always have to remind myself okay am i gonna let them you know like what will happen if i don't let them interrupt me if i keep talking what will happen if i set my feet and don't get pushed back will they respond and it's not to let them again you know out of their responsibility to listen but will i resist will i lean in and say no my voice matters let the redeemed of the lord tell their story my voice matters i'm more than you say i am and even you know sometimes it's even it's good stuff it's like people might be saying nice things and yet you feel shoved into a box and you get to say like no my story is more complicated than that i'm more complicated i get to be fully human a mix of the good and the bad a mix of the broken and the beautiful i'm more than some stereotype there is a friend of mine uh, i was thinking about this morning who um We'd met at a previous church, and she had very recently been released from prison. She had been incarcerated for quite a few years. Um, and she told me all about a program that had been really, really helpful for her uh, as she was in the, the later stages of her time being incarcerated. Uh, it was called Getting Out by Going In, Goji, if anybody wanted to look it up. Um, and what my friend had learned in Goji, what had really been so transformative for her after really it had been a lifetime of being on the streets and then being in prison and then being back on the streets and then back in prison and just moving back and forth for, for so long, what she had discovered through the Goji program, getting out by going in, going inside her own story, going inside to figure out what was really going on with her and learning how to share it with others to tell her story, to say, yes, these are all the places where it's been hard. Here, here are the things that I've done that have been wrong. Here are all the, the wrongs that have been done to me. And here are these, these messy places in the middle where life has just been complicated. So yeah, I can reclaim the parts of my story that are about addiction and abuse and homelessness. And mental illness, all these different things, right? And I can also talk about the love of parents who didn't know exactly what to do, but they tried, you know? And, and I, can, I can start to discover in myself some of those amazing qualities, my sense of humor, you know, and the strength that I've survived thus long and, and the way I love my kids, even though I haven't been able to parent them the way that I wanted to. And this is my full story of who I am. And, and so she would share it. She would go back with the group now that she had been released herself. She would go back with the group and she would share it with other women who are currently in prison. And she would share it in, in church communities to try and help people develop a little bit more nuance and understanding. And, and a year or two after I'd first gotten to know her, she was actually invited with the group to the United Nations to go and to share her story. Say like, this is possible, this helps. We don't have to stay stuck. And transforming lives isn't about shame and punishment. It's about reclaiming our full selves, all the beauty and all the brokenness. There's this beautiful bit of a poem by Lucille Clifton. 
goes like this. They ask me to remember, but they want me to remember their memories. And I keep on remembering mine. What does it look like to do that together? To remember out loud. For those of us who maybe have felt pushed down more often than not, to lean in and say, no, I will keep remembering mine and I will keep bringing that into the conversation and doing that, I'm, I'm gonna keep making room for other people to know that their stories matter. And for those of us who've experienced more power to grow in our awareness, oh, I need to make space for others. Mine is not the only narrative and I have to learn to listen. So today, you've got your cards, right? People at home, maybe you've got something you can write with. Could be on your phone if you want to. We're gonna give you just two or three minutes and Stephen's actually gonna come up and, and strum a little bit for us, you know, cause some of us think a little better with some, some music in the background. Here's a question, just for you to jot down a few thoughts, ideas. You can even doodle if you want. But what are you invited to claim in your own story, to remember? so that you can create space for yourself and others. What do you feel invited to claim in your story this morning? I'm gonna give you a couple minutes. that card because we're going to do that just uh, one more time here but uh, and something just struck me as I was writing down some of my things um, some of the, some of you might wrote written down something pretty heavy uh, you might need someone to process that with someone trusted um, so uh, be encouraged that 
there, there are people like that around if you want to talk to a, like a board member or a pastor or a therapist. Um, we'd love to help you connect with that as, as you may need to do so. Um, so. So verse 2, and yeah, you can probably just stay here because I'm going to be done in like, like two minutes here, but thank you. Um, so verse 2 says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Right? And so it's listening to your story knowing your story, even the, the, the parts that you might have hidden or maybe others wanted you to hide. There's this, I mean, I love the phrase, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. There's a sense in which, um, you know, we, we've all been through some stuff. And the stories that we tell are, are not just stories of grand victories. There's brokenness in each one of our stories. There's shame and pain and loss. And there is redemption. For many of us, that redemption is not quite where it needs to be yet, right? We're still like holding on for, for a bit more. But that's part of the story. Redemption is actually part of the story. So knowing the areas of brokenness and knowing that there is redemption, that this is why God keeps saying to tell your stories, it actually allows there to be more opportunity for redemption to happen. It's very hard to redeem stories that remain hidden, that remain buried. And so... Our friend Rachel Held Evans, who uh, is sort of a patron saint of City Church uh, in many ways, but she writes this, and it's just so insightful. She says, in Scripture and in life, the road to deliverance nearly always takes a detour. Rarely do the people of God reach any kind of promised land without a journey or two through the wilderness. We've all been there. We will all be there. Many of us are there right now in that wilderness, and that's okay. So why don't we just take a few more minutes and just reflect, how have you experienced redemption? Where are you still waiting for it? Where are you in the messy middle? So where have you experienced it, and where are you still waiting for it? Maybe just take a few minutes, another couple of minutes, and, and reflect on that piece of your story.